it's time to talk with Liz and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. How did you sleep? really tired. I got I got more hours of sleep but woke up more tired, which supports my theory that I need to be Spartan about the amount of hours that I sleep because sleep will just make me tired after a certain point. Gotcha. Yeah, good times. So I got about eight hours and I feel rested. I feel like I got seven and a half and I'm like I'm rested but I'm groggy. What's your ideal? <clears throat> Probably like six, six and a half somewhere in there. Gotcha. Yeah. But even that one hour, man, I tell ya, um, a groggy babe. Aw, groggy babe. Yeah, it's me. Big yeah, grog role reversal. Yep, it's true. So since uh, the roles are reversed, are you going to lead this podcast today? I'll do my best. Oh, God. Well, actually, I'm just kidding. You're not leading shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... Real quick, do we have anything going on that we want to talk about, like in the like that we've done recently or that we got coming up in the near future? Um, uh, nothing really coming to mind. Like that's very specific. I'm um, collaborating with my sister again this week. She works at WebMD mm-hmm. um, in their like health like journalism department. She's like a she writes like short short form documentaries for their YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. She also writes a ton of like articles related to health and mental health. And she's nominated for a Peabody Award. Yeah, her for... recent documentary series, Color by WebMD, can be found on WebMD's YouTube channel. And it's a four part documentary series on colorism, featureism, and texturism. And it did get nominated for a Peabody Award. Which, for people who don't know, that's, like, the award for documentary filmmaking, like, in in a journalistic sense. Yeah, and um, for friends of ours, I was was featured on the episode on color, um, sorry, on texturism, um, which is discrimination basically based on your hair type for people of color, whether your curl pattern is tighter or looser, um... And so my sister, um, WebMD flew me to Atlanta last year and I got interviewed at their headquarters with my sister and we kind of shared our own childhood experiences and I shared a slight mental health lens, like perspective as a therapist on texturism. So yeah, for anyone who wants to watch that, it's just called Color by WebMD. Cool. Uh, but their SEO is really bad, so <clears throat> it may or may not show up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you. I, I think the easiest way to find it is to go to WebMD's YouTube page yeah. and look for it. But, um, but yeah, so like a month ago, we, we my sister and I co-hosted a group discussion for the diversity and inclusion um, group at, what like team, I guess, at WebMD for their employees. And it was really successful. I guess it was one of their most successful diversity and inclusion talks that was like highest highest RSVP rate and highest attended and most participated with cameras on because it was on Zoom. And so um, that was cool. And someone in the audience invited us to speak again in February at their team for their team and lead another discussion. So I have that going on this Friday. And um, so, yeah, just up kind of early this morning, got to prepare for that with my sister and yeah, just excited to be up a little bit earlier and wake up with you and 
have coffee and talk. Woo! Yeah! Yeah, anything of note going on with you? Uh, no, just started working with new clients. Um, so just sticking to projects, just trying to stay on top of everything. Um, I have to, oh, guy, I have so many errands that I have to run today. Like, the company that services our mortgage charged us three times, but only applied two charges. Uh, so I have to go, like, get go to the bank and get a bunch of paperwork that says, no, you really did just keep my money. Like, you didn't actually return anything. Thanks. I, I guess you're welcome for the $2,000 loan or right. something. Yeah, cool. Fuck you guys. Um, so really unimpressed with our loan servicer right now. Wish that owning a home didn't require... For, you know, 99.9 repeating percent of people, the necessity of a large financier uh, who really doesn't give a shit about me, a number. Um, shout out 2008 housing crisis when they would just give anyone a loan. Right. And package that shit into collateralized debt obligations and then sell that shit back to those same people and then fuck their lives up and have nothing happen to them. Yeah, those people, they're still running our economy. Right. Uh, I digress. Okay. So what would you like to talk about today? Um, so we talked uh, recently about uh, doing this as an episode, so I want people to know that it's not coming out of nowhere, that I'm not like maliciously attacking Liz, though I do that often. But I wanted to talk today about... There's this phenomenon that I've noticed with us where sometimes you get home, and I do the same thing too, and I, I want to talk about it, you know, in respect to me as well, but starting with you, like, when you come home, sometimes you cannot, or it takes you a while to get out of therapist mode and into, like, living real life mode, and I wanted to know, like, what are your thoughts on that? What is your experience as, like, the person who is transitioning from one type of self to another type of self. What what do you notice about that? What is what is that like for you? Yeah. Um, can I have more coffee, please, my no. love? No. Please and thank you. Okay. To speak to your point, um, I don't know if other people in other fields can relate to this, but when I am doing my work as a therapist, I definitely have a very specific hat on, a specific way of being, I would say I bring my true self and my human way of being Liz into the therapy room quite a bit more than your average therapist. Like my clients often report like being pleasantly surprised that it doesn't feel super like sanitized and clinical when they work with me. Like they feel like I'm being a real person using real life examples, you know, kind of speaking the way I normally speak. Um, while I'm still kind of being a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I kind of incorporate myself into the therapy, but I'm still, you know, operating in a professional capacity and doing my jobs skillfully, I hope. Um, but I will say it's a different, it's a definitely different way of being than I am in like just being Liz in real life. And part of that for me is my job as a therapist is to, you know, help my clients uncover their deeper, more most meaningful and sometimes most tender thoughts, feelings, memories, perspectives, all of that. And so, you know, I am asking probing questions. I do take a certain tone of voice at times that's softer. Um, 
if someone makes a statement that I think might be maybe has more tender feel like thoughts or feelings underneath it, I ask, you know, how does, you know, as you say that, what's coming up for you? What are you feeling in this moment? Even as you share that with me, I ask those types of questions. I ask how they're coping with things. I ask all those types of things. And I've no like I over the years since I've been practicing, including my internship, I've been practicing like three, three and a half years, something like that, including my grad school internship. And especially in the beginning, I remember Peter kind of having to call me out sometimes when we were hanging out in a big social setting with friends. And when I would talk to someone or a small, you know, usually if I'm talking to someone one-on-one in the group, I would sometimes find myself like asking them those extra questions, asking them how they were coping with such, if they were telling me about something hard that's, you know, going on in life, I would ask them like, you know, how's that going for you? How are you, how are you coping with that? What's that like for you emotionally? And, you know, that's not always something someone at a party is prepared to talk about or necessarily even wanting to talk about. Um, I usually receive like positive feedback. Like they usually answer my question and most people didn't really seem caught off guard, but Peter definitely noticed me doing that. Um, and, you know, kind of called me out on it and said, you know, Liz, don't therapize my friends, like our friends. Um, Okay, I got to jump in here and at least give one example. Sure. We were at a a party thrown by a family friend, and the crowd there was average age 65. Mm -hmm. And we obviously, some of the younger people there, you know, just having a good time. We have not really experienced anything too, too fucked up in life. But there were multiple people there who had gone through the Vietnam War. And Liz, at this party, basically got this Vietnam vet to, like, I don't know, relive his experiences in the party and, like, break down crying. And it's just like, Liz, I understand that you're connecting with people on a deep level. And that, like, you know, that's great. Like, human beings should be doing that. But is a party of dozens of people where we're all trying to celebrate like the appropriate place to make a Viet, like a 70 year old Vietnam vet fucking lose his shit. He didn't lose his shit. Okay. He He didn't lose his shit, but he's like fucking crying in the middle of it. And then I started crying. It was everybody's fucking crying. Like what is going on here? We're supposed to be having fun. Like why is everybody fucking crying? That's one of my most shameful examples because I I don't want to use the term shame, except I was pretty drunk at that point. So, Oh, and you were giving him like deep, deep, like emotional, like connecting with him. Like you were like my father, da, 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 da. like you were like doing the thing. If you were trying to establish uh, a therapeutic alliance with this person or like, you know, like, like that deep relationship that you need to like get them to do the, the work and that whole thing, you were getting there. Yeah. It was just on someone's back deck where everybody's getting fucking trashed for a party. Right. And like, I was pretty embarrassed in the morning. Like I was really drunk and went too far so that's one of the like times I'm least proud of, um, for sure. It kind of brings up a little bit of embarrassment when we talk about that. Um, but I definitely learned a lot from that experience. A more recent example I'm thinking of is like we were at Johnny's Tavern with a friend, um, one of Peter's really good friends who's my friend now too, And they were sharing about, like, a recent experience they were having that was rather challenging. And I just remember asking, like, how are you coping with that? Like, 
are you like how are you doing co- like how are you managing and coping with that and i just remember peter looking at me and just being like okay bitch are you serious right now like we like the person answered the question and didn't seem plussed at all but it was still just an example of like okay just cuz someone shares something doesn't mean i have to dive deeper um and I can just let things go. So I've definitely learned from those two experiences. And would you say I do better now? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I make an intentional effort to keep things light, to keep things pretty surface when we're hanging out with just friends. But I will say it's very different when I hang out with my therapist friends and colleagues in a more social manner or casual manner. Like, we're all doing it. We're all doing it to each other. We're all, like... Yeah, that sounds re-traumatizing in some ways. No, it's really support. It's a really supportive environment. That's that's why I don't do that kind of work. Like, we're all, like, deeply empathizing and and validating and supporting and asking each other the extra questions. And in the group, we all feel really seen and heard and safe and even soothed and comforted in in what we're going through. And... My desire for all those things, so much lower. Yeah, but we all talk about how kind of fun and novel it is to be in a group of us being able to speak this way, and we talk about how, like, we have to act differently around lay people. (laughs) Normies? Normies. That term did come up. I think I'm the one that said it. Oh, Um, God. And, like, yeah, you could tell the people in my colleague group who tend to shift gears easier Cause they were like cracking jokes or keeping things light and the rest of us are like diving deep and like, you know, being really personal. And I don't know. It's just funny being in a group of therapists, but yeah, that's just one way that it's sometimes hard for me to take the hat off. And other times if I've had a really long day, um, and like if I've seen like, you know, seven, eight clients that day and I'm pretty tired, I find that when my friends want to talk to me after work or my family members and like have a deeper conversation because that's the type of conversation they're used to having with me, it's like I have nothing to give. And I make a deliberate point because my therapist hat is tired at that point. I make a deliberate point not to have my therapist hat on and to just be a person and give like your day-to-day average responses to things. And sometimes it takes my close friends or family members off guard a little bit. They'll be like, so, so wait, what do you think about that? And I'll just say, yeah, yeah, you know, like I won't really give much of much back. And I can tell they're just expecting more from me, but I'm exhausted wearing my therapist hat. Yeah, everyone is used to you giving away free labor all the time. Well, because that's just how I, I was before grad school. Like I had elements of that mm-hmm. in me as just part of who I am. And it's what friends and family got really used to. And they kind of had a lot of my closer friends and family members had to adjust once I started doing this professionally and kind of get a more watered down version of me when I'm getting off work, when I'm tired. If it's on the weekend and I've had a long week, it's like I don't want to therapize anyone. I just want to be a person. Um, But yeah, it's still... So, so I do, if I've had a long week and I'm tired, it's a lot easier to want to take that hat off and just be, just be a person. But, um, another way that I think my therapist hat sometimes intervenes with real life is 
when I'm being a therapist, I have to oftentimes say things multiple times to my clients for that for it to really register. And in the therapist world, we always joke that you have to say something to the client like five to seven times over the course of working with them for it to really sink in and internalize with them, for them not just to hear it in their head, but to also feel it in their heart. And sometimes after like the fifth or seventh time of saying something to a client, they'll come back in the next session and say it back to you as if it was their idea. Like, or they saw something that reminded them of the thought on TikTok or on Instagram. So when you're stuck in the therapist mode, you you are just in the mindset of saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. but it's just funny how clients will come back and say like, oh, I saw this on TikTok and it really inspired me. And like, I just had this epiphany of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, I literally been saying that to you for months. Like, I don't say this. I just validate and support them and affirm them in their epiphany, but like in my head, I'm like, damn it, I've been literally telling you this for months. So it's, it's. And then you come home and then you sit down and then you tell me the same thing in four different ways. So yeah, I find myself in day-to-day conversation, oftentimes like reiterating my point multiple times. And I get frustrated with you because it's like, yeah, you told me that twice already. Yeah, it's hard to get out of the habit because that is how I have to talk to my clients. And it's the only way to get them to remember the things that we say over, you know, a long 50-minute session. I do have to repeat myself for things to to really land. But in day-to-day conversation, I don't necessarily have to do that. And I feel like this showed up in our last episode that we recorded. I forgot the topic. We were talking about something. Um, I think we were talking about communication strategies and our philosophies around communication And, like, I found myself repeating myself multiple times in the same, like, monologue of talking about my my views on communication and therapy. And I didn't even notice that Peter was giving me nonverbal signals of, like, okay, we get it, okay, like, move on, move on. It didn't even register to me that I was repeating myself, and it was, wasn't until after we re- recorded and finished up that he was like, wow, you made that point, like, three times or four times. And I had to be like, shit, you know, like, I guess I did. I was, I started repeating myself again. And so that's definitely something that I'm now aware of, especially as we record these, as we have coffee, like, trying not to repeat myself. And I'm going to start doing it right now if I don't shut up. Yep, indeed. Indeed. So how do you find uh, yourself getting out of that when you get home? So I definitely use my drive or commute home. It's only like 11, 12 minutes. But I definitely use that time to... I try not to listen to any podcasts or any music. I use that time to really... I I call it checking in with myself. Reviewing my day in my head. um, Thinking about how I'm feeling at the end of the day thinking about, you know, what I need to release from the day, whether that's, you know, any story a client's told me, any tension or stress I might be carrying um, from my work day. And I try to release all of that before I get home. So I'm not bringing that energy home with me. Um, And so I definitely use that drive home very intentionally to switch gears into just Liz mode. And I find that to be helpful. Um, But it's a little bit harder when I wake up, like, refreshed in the morning and I'm kind of in the zone. Especially if it's a weekday, I kind of, like, can put my therapist head on without thinking about it. 
um, as I like anticipate going to work that evening. Because I start work around like one o'clock, three o'clock, but I start doing admin administrative tasks for work as soon as we finish recording. Um, so yeah, sometimes it happens in the morning, but less often at night, I feel like. I usually come home pretty much just Liz. Wouldn't you agree? These days, yeah. Yeah. 